Hello, welcome to this week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as we get a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Jeff. This podcast is sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, Virginia. You can go to Main Street Pharmacy at 301 South Main Street, Suite 107, Blacksburg, Virginia, 24060. That's 24060. And you can follow Main Street Pharmacy on Twitter at, at Main Street Farm. That's at M-A-I-N-S-T-R-E-E-T-P-H-A-R-M. Welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of AllSportsDiscussion.com. We were off last week due to the July 4th holiday, but we're quite happy to get back in the saddle. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. Tonight we have an awesome return guest, and it's been too long. Ethan Moore is back with us tonight. You can follow Ethan on Twitter at at underscore Ethan Moore. That's at underscore E-T-H-A-N-M-O-O-R-E and LouisvilleSports.Live, which he runs at LouisvilleSports.Live with Taylor Lynch. Their site Twitter account is at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. Again, that's at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. E. Ethan and his colleague, as I said before, run Louisville Sports Live, and it's a radio talk show that's dedicated to the University of Louisville Sports on 93.9 FM, The Ville. Their Twitter account is at 939TheVille, and it's powered by ESPN Radio, and it runs every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. Boy, I sound like I'm an auctioneer. The greatest bio in the history of one of our guests. Welcome back, Ethan. We're happy you're back, friend. Uh, well, I'm happy to be a part of this, man. I always look forward to it. Uh, midsummer, get the football juices flowing. Uh, great intro as always. I hope uh, both of you gentlemen are doing fantastic. We are thrilled to have you back. So before we start, Ethan, is there anything that you want to plug that I haven't that I haven't said already? Do you have any guests that are coming up? on the show that you want to talk that you want to talk about just anything you want to plug here um well yeah we did have a new start time we're now on it starting at 6 30 um that was in effect last week instead of six o'clock so it's 6 30 um for any louisville fans that listen to your podcast uh we had um the flyville 23 class the 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 cornerstone of the class pierce clarkson four-star quarterback on the program a few weeks ago <clears throat> for the second time uh, i would encourage louisville fans to, to check out that interview there a lot of great information and he has been the catalyst in a consensus top 25 recruiting class for louisville this this upcoming season for the 2023 class it will go down as the school's best recruiting class on paper um, in school history once it's all said and done that is awesome man this that is awesome so we, this seems to be a continuing trend on our football podcast on our football podcast because we kind of check in on men's basketball before we get to our pre before we get to our previews so uh before we get into uh, before we get into football 
We'd love to have you give us your thoughts on uh, on the Louisville men's basketball hire because we know that you have a lot of knowledge there. So if you want to want to just introduce the latest, the the newest Louisville men's basketball hire, and uh, give us your thought give us your thoughts uh, thoughts on that. Thank you so much, Ethan. Um, Kenny Payne um, is, was the hire. He was an assistant with the New York Knicks. Um, also um, coached at the uh, Arch Rival of Louisville, uh, which was the University of Kentucky for a decade. Uh, played basketball at Louisville. Was a member of their second title team in 86. Didn't play a whole lot that year. Went on to be a first-round draft pick by the 76ers um, in 1989. Um, happy to have him back. Uh, that, that's what this program needed. Um, one of their own to come back home and resurrect the program. It is certainly much needed uh, for this basketball program because of the horrendous year that, that was last year, 13 and 19, the worst team, the worst record in 20 years for Louisville basketball. The first time, gentlemen, since 1961-62 that Louisville missed the NCAA tournament in back-to-back -back years. Um, so uh, Kenny Payne is was tabbed to be, um, you know, somebody that's going to turn it around. My opinion that recruiting has gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, he did land um, a former five star in Brandon Hanley Hatfield out of the transfer portal in Tennessee. Um, he did sign two top 84 star wings in Kamari Lands and Devin Ree. Um, still struggling to find some more backcourt help. Um, as it stands currently, Louisville has nine scholarship players and just one proven ball handler. Um, so we're still looking for a couple more players in the backcourt. Uh, hopefully um, that will get remedied soon. Um, but we're certainly excited uh, for Kenny Payne, Louisville basketball. They're going to play a much faster tempo. Uh, they're not going to play that whack line, pack line defense uh, that we nobody liked from Louisville, obviously. Um, it was trying to be like a carbon copy of what Virginia did. That, that was an epic failure uh, under Chris Mack. So we're super excited to have one of our own come back on the sidelines. And, and we're, we're expecting big things uh, for Louisville basketball to become, uh, once again, the nation's uh, among the nation's elite. Very good take. Very good take. Jeff, you're up. Take us over to football, Mr. Fan. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Okay, Ethan, um, let's start with what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for Louisville football? Uh, it starts with Malik Cunningham, uh, the electric quarterback for the University of Louisville, threw for almost 3,000 yards last year, really improved upon his touchdown to interception ratio, 19-6 and six there, uh, was much more accurate, still missed on some throws, some intermediate throws, um, but still much improved from last season as well. Had over 1,000 yards on the ground. So he is certainly a dual-threat quarterback there. Also something that I know Louisville fans are excited to, to, to see in action this upcoming season is the offensive line. Uh, Louisville returns four of the five starters there, Trevor Reed, Caleb Chandler, Adonis Boone, Renato Brown, Brian Hudson, um, is also going to be getting in some run. A former Virginia Tech Hokie transferred um, to the program last year. He's He figures to be um, um, among the candidates for the other starting job on the offensive line. And then, too, uh, you look at the running back position. Uh, Jalen Mitchell returns. 
Uh, he got the bulk of the carries last year, seven, over 700 yards there. Uh, Cooley, another running back, former four-star prospect from out of North Carolina as a true freshman, rushed for over 430 yards at five yards per carry. And then uh, Tennessee transfer Tyon Evans. He's another name um, that figures to be in the mix to get a lot of carries on the ground for Coach Satterfield's ball club. Marshawn Ford, um, uh, arguably one of the ACC's best tight ends returns as well. Of course, they did lose Tyler Harrell to the transfer portal, and uh, due to the tampering of the Alabama Crimson Tide, he was um, 4-2-40 speed. Uh, he moved on to Alabama right after spring ball. Uh, so Louisville went to the portal to uh, replenish uh, some talent there. They grabbed D. Wiggins from Miami and also Tyler Hudson, an All-American at the FCS level for Central Arkansas. He figures to get a lot of uh, targets this upcoming season. Braden Smith returns from a torn ACL. And Amari Huggins-Bruce, who is kind of a poor man's Tutu Atwell, uh, he is in the mix for a lot of targets as well. Offense, certainly for the Louisville Cardinals in, in 2022, is the main positive, is the area of strength for this football team. All right. Um, uh, Ethan, can you check your um, mic volume? Just You're coming just a little bit low on our end. Okay, yes, I can. All right, appreciate that. Is that any better? Is this better? Uh, yeah, that sounds a little better. Perfect. All right, let's go to the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses for the cards going into the seasons? And in other words, what do you think Louisville will be working on before the first game? And, and what are the questions you think have to be resolved? Well, the weakness, gentlemen, no doubt about it, is the defense. Uh, this was a defense that, that was simply not very good last year. Um, scoring defense, they were in the 70s. Passing defense, among the worst of the nation, finished at 95th nationally. Total defense, they were 84th. So there's a lot of work to be done there. The defensive line, guys, is the main question mark. Um, you've seen some glimpses with Yaya Diaby and um, Ashton Gelati. Uh, those guys made some plays at times, but they were not consistent enough. Um, they did not get a consistent enough push, pressure on the quarterback, sacks, etc. Uh, Jermaine Lole, Louisville got him uh, in the portal from Arizona State. Um, he was someone who figured to hear his name called in the NFL draft uh, this past spring, but he was hurt all last year. He will come in right away at the nose tackle in Louisville's 3-4 scheme. He figures to be extremely disruptive as he is he's a game changer there. Uh, so the defense for me is by far the biggest question mark, the, by, by far the biggest weakness uh, in defensive line most notably. I, I'm a fan of the linebacking core. Momo Sanogo comes over from Ole Miss. Monty Montgomery, who was hurt the vast majority of last year, returns arguably the best defensive player on this team. Yasir Abdullah is a beast uh, as well. The linebacking core is solid, guys. It, that that is Louisville fans are expecting big things from this group, and of course, too. I mentioned Monty Montgomery, the linebacker who was hurt most of last year, uh, returns. Keytrell Clark, he's he is a kid that was an All ACC type performer. He was hurt in the NC State game. It was basically, I want to say, three-fourths of the year. Uh, he was out for the year as well. He's back now. Louisville returns their best two by far defensive players, so that's going to give this team and this fan base some hope going into a successful, hopefully, 2022 season. All right. 
Um, all right, Ethan, who are some of the new recruits or transfer portal players and that have impressed you the most? And you mentioned them a, a couple of them already so far. Um, you know, are there any that you think will get some major playing time right away? Absolutely. Um, Tyler Hudson, the receiver from Central Arkansas, the FCS All-American, he is um, he figures to be in a starting role from day one. Um, Momo Sonogo, he is the one of the linebackers over from Ole Miss, led the SEC in tackles. I want to say it was either 2018 or 2019. He's coming back um, and figures to, to make, if not start, get a lot of reps. And then Jermaine Lole. He's, he is the nose tackle over from Arizona State. He will be starting from day one. I don't have to be on the coaching staff to tell you that. They need size. They need talent. They need somebody that can get to the quarterback. Jermaine Lole will do just that. Uh, we're expecting big things from this kid this upcoming year. Very good there, Ethan. Um Ethan, do you think Louisville will be better than last year? Why or why not? And then we're going to play what we call win game, lose game, where we go through the Cardinal schedule and get your quick um, thought on whether that game will be a win or a loss. I do. I, I do think Louisville will be better. Of course, the Cards finished 6-7 and seven last year, lost to Air Force 31-28 in the Armed Forces Bowl. Not the way you want to finish the year last year at all. I think the Cards have a winning season this year. Again, I think the offense is the main strength. I think the defense, uh, while not certainly world beaters by any stretch, I think they're going to be much improved. Uh, with that being said, I do think Louisville will be improved this season. Um, you know, and I expect them to finish in the top four of the Atlantic. Okay, let's get into that schedule now. And I, I look at this schedule – through October, and I see an opportunity here for, for Louisville to potentially have a really fast start if a couple of these pivotal games that we'll get into go their way. And we start on September 3rd at Syracuse on the ACC Network, 8 p.m. Yes, uh, you mentioned it, Jeffrey, there. The first half of the season um, provides a lot of opportunities for Louisville to get off to a, a really good start. I'm chalking that up as a win. Syracuse is a program that Louisville football has had a lot of success against. Um, so that is a dub for the cards. All right. Then we go into this Friday night game at UCF, one of the best uh, games that an ACC team won at a conference last year. What a, what a finish that was against Central Florida last year. And uh, they'll be looking for revenge, 730 ESPN2. Yeah, that's a Friday night game in the bounce house in Orlando. It's going to be very tough. I'm going to say Louisville ekes this one out like they did last year as well. And if I'm being honest, this game is going to be a catalyst for Louisville football in terms of how good they will be. Uh, if, if Louisville wants to have seven or eight wins, I think this game has to be a win uh, for Louisville. Um, so I'm going to say Louisville in a close one. All right. Um you know, then you come back for another Friday night game uh, hosting the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State is another ACC program that Louisville has had a lot of success against over the last few seasons. Um, arguably, Louisville should have a five-game winning streak against the Seminoles. Um, some bad play calling, bad bounces going uh, against Louisville's way here. 
uh, the last few last couple of years to result in those losses. But Louisville has won three games against Florida State um, the last five seasons. I'm going to say that's a win. All right, we got Louisville three and zero right now, and then they're going to be hosting the USF Bulls. I'm going to say USF. Uh, that's going to be a win. The Bulls are terrible, um, and Louisville should win easily. All right. Then you head on the road. Um, another pivotal Atlantic Coast uh, game against Boston College at Boston College. Boston College, this will be – this is going to be a tough one. I think Louisville ekes one out there. Um at Chestnut Hill, Louisville's going to be 5-0, and guys, uh, based on my predictions there. It's a close one, but Louisville wins. Okay. Uh, then you head on the road. You play at Virginia. Uh, great matchup of quarterbacks in this one, Brennan Armstrong, Malik Cunningham. Th- this one this one could light up the scoreboard here. Yeah, I, I think it will again. Um, last year, Louisville choked away a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter and lost by one point. Uh, I do think for some reason, guys, as successful as Louisville has been against Florida State and Syracuse, Louisville has struggled with Virginia. I think this game ends up being a loss on the road. Okay. Um, then you get a, uh, a bye week, and you're hosting probably one of the top two teams in the Coastal Division, the Pitt Panthers, without Jordan Addison, but return a ton on that team. I'm going to say um, – from top to bottom, uh, I think Pittsburgh has more talent than Louisville. I'm going to say that's a loss. Okay. Uh, then you stay at home, and another great quarterback matchup here with Sam Hartman and Wake Forest. Uh, Louisville should have won uh, last year against the Demon Deacons and Winston-Salem. Uh, you all may remember, I know Louisville fans do, that the end of the first half, uh, somehow Wake Forest was gifted an extra three seconds Um that allowed them to kick a field goal, and that was the difference of the game. Louisville lost that game by three. I think Louisville gets revenge on Wake, wins that ball game. Okay. Uh, you stay at home, and you host uh, the James Madison Dukes. Um, that's going to be a win. There's no analysis needed. Uh, James Madison, a very talented, very successful FCS program, making their way up into the Sun Belt this year. Uh, Louisville should win handily. All right. Uh, and now you start a three-game stretch here to finish the season that um, I would put up against any in the country in terms of difficulty. This this is no joke to finish the season for Louisville. Um, you start out uh, November 12th at Clemson. Um, at Clemson, uh, that's going to be a loss. Louisville's 0-6 lifetime against, um, against the Tigers. Um, Louisville, again, had a chance to beat Clemson last year, didn't do it. Um, Death Valley is always a tough place to play. Uh, I see a loss in the cards, pun intended. All right. Uh, then you come back and you host uh, what should be a really good NC State team. Guys, I'm going to say you know, the pack has had the had the cards number the last couple of years. I think it's going to be year three for them. I also think the cards will drop that one in a close one. Okay. Uh, then you head on the road to play your in-state rival, the Kentucky Wildcats. And and this is a game that I think if any has put, you know, Scott Siderfield, you know, I don't know necessarily on the hot seat, but has drawn the most frustration from Louisville fans. It's been the performances against Kentucky. 
Yeah, I, Louisville against them the last three years have embarrassed themselves. I don't even know what the score is, but it but it's it's been an embarrassment. Last year, I believe it was fifty two to twenty one. I mean, it's it's been bad. And guys, until I see something different, um, I'm going to chalk that up as a loss as well. Okay. All right, Matthew. I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, so, given that we've gone we've gone through the schedule here, Ethan, and with these you know these certain number of wins and losses, I mean, give us the pulse of the Louisville football program. What are Louisville bloggers and fans thinking right now, today, on the state of the program, and what would they think, given this win loss assessment that you just gave us? The floor is yours, friend. Um, I think basically, you know, first and foremost, it's been the recruiting of the offseason. Coach Satterfield and staff have won the offseason. They knew that they had to get better in in recruiting. They had to bring in more talent, uh, more speed, uh, more athleticism, and they have done that. Now, again, they haven't signed, but still, all indications are that they will. Um, And, again, Louisville has a consensus top 25 recruiting class. Um, That being said, the over-under in Vegas is six and a half. you know, I, I, I hear some fans saying, you know, maybe eight wins. I'm, I'm comfortable with seven. Again, I think Louisville's going to be improved. They return a lot of experience, especially on offense um, and defense, uh, a lot of production on offense. Uh, again, defense has been the main, the main struggle. I, in my opinion, if Louisville can, can have a winning record in the regular season, again, that's just going to be another kind of step in the right direction for Satterfield in this program. Follow that up. Um, with the school's best recruiting class, and then Louisville football will have some serious momentum. Very good take. Very good take, man. It's open microphone time, Ethan. What do you got for us? The floor is yours. The ACC better be proactive in conference expansion this time around. Last year about this time when Texas and OU left to go to the SEC, the ACC stood pat, didn't do anything. Now, this cannot be the same um, mode of operation this time around. They have to go on the offensive. My, you know, if I'm Jim Phillips, I am decimating the Pac-12. I am going back to ESPN and touting an East Coast and a West Coast power conference with a lot of big-time markets, and we're renegotiating that deal in hopes of getting into the neighborhood of the projected SEC and Big Ten. Um, $100 million per team per year figures. I, that, you know, that way, you know, ACC and a Pac-12, um, you know, consolidation, if you will, is not going to fetch $100 million per team per year. But if you can get in the neighborhood or right outside the neighborhood and, and be a lot more competitive for the foreseeable future, I think that is that should be the goal for the ACC and I believe, you know, most ACC schools, I mean, sure, you have your Clemsons and your UNCs, Florida States. You know, Virginia Tech has been mentioned. Virginia uh, about, you know, batting their eyes at the SEC or the Big Ten. And I don't blame them. But I think in in this situation, if you're able to kind of destabilize or destroy the Pac-12 and grabbing four to six teams, then I think you have a, you know, you have a great product and a great pitch to ESPN. Excellent take. Excellent take. Jeff, you're up, man. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can not use my open mic 
and and not be not talk about this this realignment stuff. Just so much happened in the last week, and I love Ethan's points about being an aggressor now. Um, you know, I I think maybe one of the things Swafford um, wasn't the best. Well, I mean, he at times he was an aggressor, but a lot of times he was more on the reactive end. And you know, in, in the end, he kept the conference together. Uh, but there's definitely some holes and some vulnerabilities that we saw in the last week. Um, and I'm hoping, like Ethan said, that that Jim Phillips, and you mentioned this too on the blog, Matthew, he, he's on the clock. And he has a bit of the benefit that the commissioners in the Big 12 and Pac-12 didn't have over the last years. He he has a little bit of time. You know, both the Big 12 and, and Pac-12 said they were shocked by the moves of of Texas, Oklahoma, and UCS, USC, and UCLA, um, there should be no surprises for Jim Phillips um, with what's going on. He's got to be proactive, just like Ethan said. He has to make uh, some very ag- aggressive moves. I like the idea of going after the Pac-12. Obviously, Notre Dame is out there. You have to keep pushing that. And and with the grant of rights, there's a there's a tremendous um, Twitter thread by ESPN's Andrea Adelson. And, you know, whatever you think you know about it, she pretty much nails what's really going on. This is going to be very difficult for anyone to break, especially in the short term. There's 14 years left on the ACC's um, contract with ESPN. And, you know, she points out it's unlikely that no one ever challenges. You know, I don't think anyone can say, um, it's going to make it to 2036, no problem. But I, I still think it's quite unlikely that any program is going to be able to to move in the next four or five years. Uh, so I do think Phillips has time to put a plan together, but he has to start it now. And a couple of things I do want to point out with, if you know, you're a little bit nervous, ACC fans out there, I think there's some some reasons that ESPN would want to keep keep the ACC intact, and I wrote about this on the blog. Uh, number one, the ACC network. This is a money maker. There's no doubt about it. it. Makes money for the conference members. You know, we've heard in the neighborhood of five million. It's only going to go up with the Comcast distribution. And if it's making five six million per ACC school going up, ESPN is getting a share of that. And it's probably in the 70, 80, over $100 million. That, that's an absolute revenue generator for ESPN. And for them to, to, to let the, the ACC just kind of die without any effort would basically be co- costing themselves far more than just you know, a, a conference breaking down. It would lose one of, one of a, a very strong revenue generator for ESPN um, with Notre Dame. I think it's pretty much the consensus that if Notre Dame doesn't end up in the ACC, they're going to go to the Big Ten, not the SEC. Um, ESPN has a big stake in Notre Dame right now. They get a couple of home games for ACC football. They have them all the other rights. If you're looking at it with the ESPN versus Fox, Fox Big Ten, ESPN, ACC, uh, SEC, um, you've given up one of your your premier programs and you risk opening up losing your other 
other premier programs, you know, your Clemson's, your Florida State's, North Carolina's, Louisville's, you know, your Virginia Tech's, there's no guarantee that they're going to end up in the SEC or, or a far diminished ACC. So these are properties ESPN owns now. And I don't think they're just going to give them up uh, without a fight. And then lastly, you know, I'm not going to take too much longer to get to Matthew. You know, ESPN never fully owned the Big 12 or, or Pac-12. Those were split um, television contracts with with Fox. So they're far more invested in the ACC than either of those conferences. In fact, ESPN is in, you know, the, people criticize the contract. Okay, it's not very good. We have to be honest about that. But no other conference out there is ESPN more invested in than the ACC other than the SEC. So they, they have an interest to keep the conference together. If you believe they're them and Fox are pulling the strings, you know, ACC is, is a property of ESPN. So I think there's definitely valid reasons for, for ESPN to work with the ACC on a Pac-12 move, on revenue generation. Uh, th this isn't one of those things that's just a complete done deal of the ACC you know, it's not going to exist in two years. I, I think there's there's very valid reasons for ESPN to, to uh, you know, work with the ACC going forward and Jim Phillips. Very good take, Jeff. I, I'm with I'm with you. And I, you guys have both covered conference alignment really well. So I'm not going to say too much on that other than the fact that, you know, I, I thought it was kind of odd when I did some research on strategic planning in the ACC and one of the last real studies that was done on strategic planning in the ACC was a Virginia Tech doctoral student's uh, dissertation on how how the ACC's, you know, ACC higher education conference administrators from each of the schools uh, in 1985 weren't really using the tools related to strategic planning and I started thinking in my mind, gosh, I hope that Jim Phillips is using the tools of strategic planning, which kind of put my put my uh, put my blog post out there and thought of that. I hope I'm hoping they're doing some strategic planning covering the moves that both of you all have talked about here during this podcast. I'm just going to use my podcast mic real quickly to ask a couple of questions, brief questions of you, of you, Ethan, and of you, Jeff, and then I'm going to tell my story, Ethan. Do you know anybody, would you say, in the state of Kentucky that probably hasn't really been to, to, to any cities that, I mean, and I'm actually being very serious about this, they haven't been to any cities their entire life with towns that are maybe larger than 700 people, meaning they maybe they perhaps on a very limited occasion have been to Louisville or Lexington. Do you know anybody like that? I don't personally um, know of anybody, but I mean, I know that there's pers there's um, you know thousands of people in this state that that it, that's in that category. I I'm a, I myself don't know anybody personally, but I know out in the state for sure there's there's you know hundreds if not thousands of of people that fit that description. Very good, very good. How about you, Jeff? The same question regarding South Carolina. Um, I I also don't know any uh personally but there's no question i don't i don't doubt there's probably a pretty fair amount <laughs> okay so my, my my friend's son was the 12th pick in the nhl draft on thursday night awesome and he is going he is from southern manitoba and those are people that I what I would probably tell you that maybe once or twice they've gone to win. You know, they go to Winnipeg probably not too often, but maybe a couple times. I don't 
know that they've really traveled too much in their country. I think they went to Montreal for the first time for the draft. You know, that's a good ex a good example. I'm not sure that they've been to the Twin Cities. They pretty much are, you know, if you think of southern Manitoba, it has a lot in culture with the con with uh, what, with eastern North Dakota. It's a very rural environment that has a lot of farms, a lot of agriculture and things like that. And his son had played hockey in the juniors, you know, at a very early age, like a lot of people do, for example, with the Fargo Force in North Dakota. He played, his son played it in Moose Jaw in Saskatchewan. And these, you know, you guys know about this, these semi-pro leagues where people stay with families and things like that. And he's 18 years old and he just got drafted by, he's at the number 12 by the, by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they had their big draft celebration um, it, it, his whole family pretty much right in, in Montreal. And then that, the next, like Saturday morning, he flew to, he flew to Columbus, Ohio. And then, you know, I get a, a message from his dad. He sends me a message over Facebook and says, Matthew, I mean, do you know anybody in Columbus, Ohio that can send my, you know, can, you know, have any friends there that can give some, give him some American money because he forgot to bring it. And I was like, no, but I'm sure that we can figure out a way. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure out a way, you know, to get him gift cards. And I can go to Western Union if we, you know, if we need to do that because he couldn't get, you know, you can't get stuff over the border, right over the Canadian border to, uh, you know, to where he was at. And so I'm kind of on standby right now helping him out in case in case he needs something because i found out that he's been getting you know he's been getting meals and things like that from the team and he's staying in a hotel that's funded by the team and so he doesn't really have to do so do, do so much but i thought you know this is I mean, this is the kid who's like 18 years old right who's probably who's in this big city at columbus probably the biggest city he's ever been in right in his life and he's and he's and he's and he's in this town for the first time and he's and his father cut, re which I thought was kind of cool, right? It was the guy I went to college with at undergraduate school that he re reaches out to me and says, "Like Matthew, can you make this happen?" I said, "We can make it happen somehow for him, man. We'll we'll make it happen for him." You know, so I mean, the the point in all this is that you know, world like the world is pretty freaking small, right? When you think about it, you think about you know how. I never thought I, I never thought I, I mean I knew guys that he was going to be good, right? I knew, lot you know. Last year, and I've talked about him on Twitter. His name's Denton Matejcik, and he was selected for the Canadian national team, national under seventeen team last year. And I thought, oh gosh, that means that he's basically if you're selected for that team, and you know, you guys know how much Canada loves hockey. If you're selected for that team, you're basically one of the best players in the world. And he's, you know, so he's he has a three year contract now in place, and you know. But it's the point in all this, if you can ever, you know, if you can help somebody out when you can, you know, what is it? Show some grace to other people, be their guiding light, you know, help them when you can, because his father was in sort of a, a mode of, I guess you could say a mode of panic, right? You know, when, when you're thinking, when, you know, when you're having the time of your life in this city and you're thinking, and then, and then you send him off and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to send, and I was having so much fun at the pre-draft party that I forgot to send him some American currency. And luckily I think we're going to be in good shape. He isn't going to, he, I don't think he, that he's going to need it or anything like that, you know, but 
you know, it's, you know, to, to be there in that time of need for, for, for others, like in a crisis and be a guiding light for people, I guess is what I can, what I'm trying to say here. So anyway, there you go. That's what I have to say. That's a really cool story. I mean, it's, it's, I, I didn't expect, <laughs> thank you. I didn't expect it to happen. I'm like, I mean, I knew his kid would play, you know, would be, I knew his kid would make the NHL, Jeff and Ethan. I knew he would be there when, you know, when I learned about his, him being, you know, that's when I knew that when I, when I saw that he was on the Canadian national team at under 17, I knew, knew great things were ahead for him, but it just goes to show you, you can help out anybody in their time of crisis. So anyway, um, anyway, there you go. That's all I have to say. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us on the all sports discussion, ACC podcast. We love having you come back on this show and it's been too long and we want to make sure you come back mid season. So it's not so long again. So thank you again for coming on and you're welcome to come on here anytime friend. That's awesome guys. I always appreciate the invite. It's always fun chatting ACC sports with you guys. And maybe when we speak again, we can talk about the new additions to the conference. Huh? We'll see. Right. I like it. Great. I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Ethan. I hope you all have a great week. You too. All right. Take care.